Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Eric Colesapple about mindfulness to help companies navigate work. Eric Holzapple, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks for having me, John. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Colorado. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about your new book and more generally about mindfulness in the workplace and how it can uh, help us navigate remote work and the the shifting nature of work. As we get started, I wanted to share Eric's bio with everybody. Eric Holzapple has a PhD in economics has been a real estate CEO and developer for nearly 40 years, lectured real estate at Colorado State University for 20 years, and practiced yoga and meditation for 30 years. He has a unique perspective on how merging business and mindfulness can be a catalyst in changing lives. He is the founder of Living in the Gap. His popular workshops teach CEOs and professionals a different way to operate mindfully while improving the bottom line. I think that's awesome, super important. And I'm excited to pick your brain and learn more about your new book and about this topic more generally. Anything else you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background before we dive on in? I would just say, you know, I was uh, successful young in business, was the CEO in my 20s of a, a subsidiary of an Australian group, but I just wasn't happy that I found I could be materially successful in business, in business but, you know, not happy, not healthy. And through these principles that I've, you know, kind of stumbled on and found and put together over the years, I found a way to be happy first. And it's made me even more successful uh, and definitely a better person. So I'm excited I love that. to be on. Yeah, I love that. And I love that how you're framing it. It's not mutually exclusive. And I think a lot of times people think you have to choose. You have to choose either like health and happiness or kind of the, the, uh, the grind and the success in the material aspects. And the truth is when you love what you do, when you're a healthier person, um, when you interact with other people in more healthy ways, it can help you be more successful in your business. It can help you be more successful with your teams. Uh, So the two really can go hand in hand. And uh, it, it just speaks to why organizations and why leaders should be paying attention to issues like mindfulness and uh, around mental health and the whole holistic health of the individuals that work on their teams, because not only is it good for the person, for the individual, the human case is strong, 
but the business case is also equally strong. Uh, when you focus on these things, it helps the team to be to work better together, to be more effective, more efficient, more productive, more innovative, and it helps the organization provide greater value to the market. Totally. You know, I, I hear some in the business community when I when I speak to them go, oh, it's mindfulness. That's woo-woo. You know, we're singing kumbaya and holding hands. That's too soft. You know, someday when I get, make it, I'll do that. And I say, you know, that's not really right. What I what I see is the distractions that we have from our smartphones and from media and all that. That's woo-woo. Mindfulness in one word is focus. I can focus when I choose to focus on and notice when I go away and bring myself back. Notice when I go away and bring myself back. And there's nothing contrary to focus in business. I mean, in fact, focus is business. I'm all business. I, I love business. So I, I wouldn't probably be doing it if it wasn't good for business. I don't think I have that in my DNA. So absolutely. absolutely. And, and, and why are we in business if not to be happy? You know, to provide things right. for our families and to provide us happiness. And I don't think it's like some, I think we've sold ourselves a bill of goods that only later on can we be happy. You know, after we've accomplished all these things and retire and, you know, we're at the end of the day, I think I can be happy at work. And I'd rather call somebody that's happy. I'd rather make a call to a salesperson that makes me feel better than I would to, you know, someone that uh, maybe is really successful, but they're always grinding. You know, it's always, everything's a grind. So that's, that's my take. I, 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 I think yeah. I can be happy and successful. I, and I agree. And I mean, there is something to be said for deferred gratification and immediate Absolutely. gratification can lead to its own set of challenges. Um, but I like how, how you uh, articulate this in terms of focus. Mindfulness is about being present. It's about focus, uh, whether it's focusing on your family and your relationships oh. when you're in that context or focusing on your client when you're in that context or focusing on what you're writing or, or you know, those types of things when you're in that context. If we're able to shift and be present where we're at and be mindful and focus on what we're doing, we're just going to be more productive and accomplish much, much more. We're going to find happiness. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, sometimes we have to do things we don't like to do and there oh. is del delayed gratification. Uh, it's It's important for us to do things that will help us prepare for a future. But if if we're constantly selling our present short for some potential future, and we're not also living in the moment and also trying to find happiness and fulfillment now, we're probably never going to get to that future that we're aiming for. My experience is that, you know, for myself and other successful people that are my peers is we change in the goalposts. You know, if we're, we're saying, you know, when I get that, I can remember everybody saying, when I get to six figures, you know, that'll be great. And then it's, you know, when I, when I get my house paid for, that'll be great. And then I'll be, oh, when I get that condo, then I'll be, or, if, oh, I'd like to take the family to Hawaii when I get, to, and then all the time we're saying, oh, well, I need two country clubs. Oh, I need that, you know, that we keep moving the goalposts on ourselves. If we can just learn, and also the, the research is shown, we're reading a book now uh, by Sean Archer, uh, The Happiness Advantage, that in an eight-week mind, corporate mindfulness program running. And, you know, the research is irrefutable that being happy is good for business. You know, Harvard researchers are saying, no, we've studied it. If you're happy, you're going to do better. You know, you're, and my personal experiences, I, I see things that I wouldn't see when I'm when I'm not happy. If I'm happy, I'm more aware and I see opportunities. You know, I've always said when the good Lord shuts a door, he opens a window somewhere, you know, if I can see it. So, but it's been my experience that there's always opportunities that we miss. 
And I can't control every outcome anyway. It's just not not possible. But if I can stay awake and alert and not every dip in the stock price isn't a catastrophe to me, you know, I see opportunities that that are opening up all the time that uh, may not be where I thought was going to happen, but it is what did happen. Yeah. And then it's your your opportunity and your choice on how you're going to respond to it. Uh, I I love that perspective. And you shared a little bit uh, in your background uh, about where you started and how you started to get into more mindfulness types of Mm -hmm. approaches. Um, But maybe we can start there and talk a little more detail about how you how you came to promote mindfulness more specifically within your own work, as well as when you're working with other organizations. So I was really successful traveling 50 weeks a year. Not, you know, I'm an athlete, but I hadn't worked out in five years. I was, uh, you know, overweight, drinking too much, started smoking, uh, was single was and miserable. Uh, I got a transfer to Boston and got an apartment. The good news was there were enough problems in town that I didn't have to travel. Uh, got a scale, stepped on the scale, looked at it and said, geez, you're not going to be around very long you know, if you don't make some changes. And so I made some changes, uh, left that job, uh, worked towards getting a PhD in economics. I thought, you know, I'll teach, I'll do that. I'll work on getting some more purpose. I found yoga. Yoga was my first entry into mindfulness. I was an athlete. It was like, I had been disassociated with my body. I got re-familiarized with my body. Uh, that was a game changer. Then a couple of years later, my oldest brother was a poet. My dad was a football coach and they were like oil and water and they were, they were strange. The whole family, it caused a stress on it. My brother started meditating. I watched him get closer and closer and come back to my dad. And when he opened up, my dad opened up and I got my whole family back. It was like, we have family reunions, things happen. And he said, do you want to try it? He's a mentor of mine. He's 10 years older than I am. I said, yeah, I'll try it. And it was a game changer for me. I liked it. I was a closet meditator for years. It's something you can complete completely private. You don't have to run around, you know, the world's still a pretty skeptical place. You don't have to run around and expose yourself that you're, you know, you're into woo-woo. <laughs> you can keep it to yourself until you're secure in yourself. But then I brought it into work and, and uh, one by one, people started noticing a difference in me. And I would came somebody that would actually slow down and talk to people. And they'd come bring a problem to me or whatnot and say, well, this is what I'm doing. Try this. We started a seat group at work where we just read a book and do center as voluntary. Before I knew it, the room was full. The management company, uh, management company, management team uh, revisited the vision statement, called it Mindfully Creating Community. Game changer for our company. Everybody started on, and they were doing some, but everybody started on nonprofit boards doing, you know, work around town. Uh, everybody doesn't meditate. We have done an eight week program where everybody learned it, you know, but over half do. And it's changed the whole flavor of the company. And the real miracle is people brought it home. We've had one divorce in our company and they got remarried eight years later. It's crazy. I mean, we're in a world where there's 50% divorce rates. Uh, Maybe it's an anomaly, but I think there's some, there's some tie to it. You know, there's some relationship to that that, that builds a lot. There was just a study that came out from Harvard, 80-year-long uh, study that said the uh, number one source of happiness for long-term relationships. Yeah. And mindfulness promotes relationships. It promotes communications and presence and 
relationship. Yes. So it's been yeah. a great ride. It's been a great ride. And not yeah. and my and the business is thriving. You know, it's not in lieu of business. I couldn't yeah, do it. What... I mean, naturally, I don't think I could my nature <laughs> do it if it wasn't. But and actually for years, I'll, I'll, I'm, uh, one more, for years, I was stalled in this because everything I was reading in these Buddhist texts said renounce all your possessions. And I go, well, they took, I ain't doing that. And I learned <laughs> more about, hey, I can make a bigger difference by being successful if I'm willing to serve and give back and you know, do these other things. Maybe that's for some renunciance on a hill, but I'm not. Do- and I found, you know, that was so relieving when that was a switch turn. Now I can just, you know, give back. That's how capitalism works and, and how it can work for me. And I can still feel good about myself. So, I just want to highlight too, that uh, doing things like meditating, yoga, those sorts of things, those are certain mindfulness practices, but they're not exclusively everything that involves mindfulness. Like there's lots of things that can promote mindfulness. Uh, and so whether, you know, that, that 50% of your, your, uh, employees that don't continue to, to practice meditation, um, my suspicion is even if they don't practice, you know, the meditation that they went through this eight week training on, they probably have other mindfulness practices that are embedded into their lives that are still making a difference. Mindful walks are a huge one. They just take, yeah. a, you know, at lunch, they take a little mindful walk around the building. It's huge, you know, or the other thing is, you know, we have a coats and boots program that our company runs. Anybody in the town that has a free and reduced lunch in elementary school, we have a local uh, uh, retailer shields that provides them at cost. We raise some money for it. I mean, that's mindfulness. That's putting gratitude in action and uh, changing their whole mindset. So little yeah. things like that too brings the whole company. Everybody enjoys going and giving out that to the kids, and that you just get so much of a charge out of it. And the kids, yeah, see and, the expression and various, the exactly, and various forms of uh, self reflection, uh, prayer, uh, things like nature walks, uh, all of these things. I, I've I've said it on this podcast many times before. One of the things that I do. Uh, is kind of a combination of several of these things. Um, but the, the best mental resets for me and the mindfulness um, anchors for me are, you know, twice a day when I walk my dogs for about 30 to 45 right. minutes uh, out in the park behind my house, um, just being with the pets, being out in nature, clearing my mind. Um, oftentimes, it's when I have my best ideas and sparks of innovation are happening when I'm not thinking about anything related to work and my mind's just kind of free and I'm connecting in that way. And, and then, you know, things, things occur to me, things happen. I make new connections that I hadn't before. Um, There's a lot of ways that you can do it. And so regardless of, you know, what your specific mechanism is towards mindfulness, um, the, the health benefits, the mental health benefits, the, the, the workplace innovation benefits, all of those things are very, very clear uh, in, in research. And so it, it behooves us to, to pay attention to this and to make sure that we're promoting it, not just for ourselves and walking the walk um, and setting example, but really encouraging and promoting this with our people so that they can be their most um, true authentic self and be their best self and fulfill their potential uh, at work. That's good for them. That's good for the company. It's good for everyone. The other thing that I've learned is it doesn't have to be yoga. 
you know, for the mindful, I found, uh, you know, for years, I, and I, and I still do, I love yoga, I teach yoga, I promote it. But I also say you can bring mindfulness to weightlifting, you can bring mindfulness to Pilates, you can bring mindfulness to basketball, you know, uh, there's a lot of ways you be mindful at what you like to do. Now, yoga may teach you some techniques to help you get in your body. Try it for a little bit, learn those and take them to what you like to do. You know, uh, I, there's a lot of ways to be mindful. I agree with you. Absolutely. Um, one of the things I know you talk about is the processional effect. Maybe you can yeah. describe that for us and then we can get into talking about your book a bit more. Yeah, the procession effect is how the world works at at the ninety degree angles. Comes from a uh, you know it, it, it's ancient Greek, but it also the first one that applied to business was Buckminster Fuller, He's an architect in the nineteen thirties. And for instance, you know when a bee goes and and uh, is working on making honey, the processional effect is pollinating all the plants. It's not the bee's main intention. It just happens as a side effect. Or the sun pulls the moon towards it, but the 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 uh, excuse the earth towards it. The earth doesn't crash into the sun; it goes around it at a ninety degree angle. Well, business is that way too. When I go into a I, some of my my best business things have been through nonprofit work. I'm at a nonprofit board with another leader. I'll give you an example. I was at a uh, I was running the Economic Development Corp. And a guy, Ralph, came up to me and said, you know, Eric, I love what you do with the university and with the community. I know you develop shopping centers. North College Avenue in Fort Collins needs a developer. They're really trying to get something going up there. Would you go meet with them? When I met with them five years later, I'm developing a shopping center. Now, in that shopping center, they introduced us to this Coats and Boots project. They went to one elementary school, and we saw them do 22 schools. We brought it to Loveland, the next city down. Just I mean things just happen that way. You're in a your things are are uh, I mean a direct. I make a cold call, I get a version. You know, you get a car warranty call. I'm not saying, oh hi, how's your day going? You know, I'm trying to get off the thing. But if I'm with somebody, just meeting them, I, I make a better relationship. If I'm working with them in a common cause, and when something comes up, I'm in flow with them. They ask me about it, and good things just happen. It's not why I'm there. But I have all kinds of those examples in my book about, about that. So that's it. Just, you know, go out and take intentional actions and just be aware of that. The, that's your karma. You know, karma is cause and effect. And be aware how things work. Business world isn't all direct. It's a lot of it is indirect. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so the title of your book is Profit with Presence, yeah. uh, which relates, yeah. I think, back to what we've just been talking about. So tell us a little bit more about. Uh, the impetus for the book, why this book, why now? And then we can start yeah. to dig into some of the particulars of the book. Well, the con the base content of the book is called the 12 Pillars of Mindful Leadership that come from our Mindful Leadership Program. Beginning of the book is conceptual framework for there, the state of the art of what the study of uh, consciousness is and how science and, and spirituality are really merging in a lot of ways. Not that it's all total agreement. There's still a lot of mysteries about consciousness, which is to me, to be the most fundamental <laughs> thing of our life that we ought to know more about. So I do that. And then there's, uh, I talk about how what a mindful CEO is, how to be a mindful CEO, and then mindful corporation. If you want to bring mindfulness into a company, how do you do that? What what are some of the pitfalls? What do some things work and don't work? What companies, what some companies are doing it? And then a new conceptual worldview, which 
I really believe business is is awesome and has so much power. I believe that business is the great melting pot. I mean, we talk about America being the melting pot, but it's really in business that's the alchemy. All races, all religions, all political parties together for a common cause. Uh, and we're mandated to get along. If we can infuse business with mindfulness, you know, the business transforms. And not only that, and I've witnessed it here, people bring it home. They share it with their spouses. Their kids get a taste of it. It goes to the school meetings, school boards, goes to the teams, those kind of things that it, it really spreads. And I think business in the end is going to end the nonsense that we're dealing with. I mean, in South Africa, you know, apartheid was there, world sanctions came in, and the business leader said, enough, figure this out, move us. And I think here, I don't know how bad it have to get, but eventually business leaders will have had enough and say, move us. <laughs> we want to make some money. <laughs> we want to run business. Everybody's tied into business. Business is awesome. And capitalism is the greatest system in the world. And it, and it can work if we're mindful. It can't work if it only works for half a dozen people or, you know, 1% of the society. But it can work for everybody and generate enough. We can solve all the problems. I, I don't believe homelessness or poverty or food, you know, any of those issues are unsolvable. It's the human side that we need to deal with. You know, how do we get along and re restart genuine communication in the hope that we can actually solve those problems on the planet Earth? If we believe we could and started working together, I'm I'm really hopeful. Yeah, I, I, I think business and will will be the one that does it in the end. Well, and and you what you've been describing, you haven't used the words, but what you've been describing in your own way is you know what some people refer to as the triple bottom line people yeah. planet profits right um right. so it, it's 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 capitalism uh but recognizing that there's more than just uh share prices or and and the stockholders there, there's other um stakeholders that are uh that have a vested interest in what you're doing in your business so another term is is stakeholder capitalism oh. instead of shareholder capitalism right. like there's these different ways of framing it each one though kind of gets at what you're saying that absolutely through uh, our um, approach on uh, focusing on people and the, the impacts on people uh, through the businesses uh, and, and the products and services that we're generating and creating that we can not only, you know, economically lift people to a higher standard of living, but we can improve the lives of people yeah. and their relationships and uh, various aspects um, that will mental, mental mental health, which is exactly you know, every of, aspect of, our, of society. Of, one thing that everybody agrees on on guns is it's a mental health issue. I mean, we don't agree on a lot of things, but most people agree that there is a mental health. Mindfulness is mental health. Yeah, you know, it's 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 uh, it's really hopeful, I think, and it's so simple. It's not easy, but it's so simple and so economical. Yeah. And really, I mean, when, when we talk about all these different kind of approaches to mindfulness, all the different mechanisms for mindfulness, um, it is economical. It is fairly simple. The hard part is the discipline of it yeah. <laughs> and, and the focus. The hard part is yeah. building the habits and being committed to doing it because we live in such a, a complicated world. Uh, it's so busy. We're running, running, running all the time, putting out fires constantly. 
and and when you're constantly running, putting out fires, being busy, it's hard to to recognize the need uh, or remember the need to slow down, pause, breathe, recenter yourself, um, and and that will help you. That will better equip you to face the challenges that you're facing. Um, but because of the fast pace of the of the business mm-hmm. world, sometimes we forget that, and then we end up effectively inadvertently shooting ourselves in the foot and and perpetuating you know a problem rather than and moving towards a solution so that's why i think business is such a great opportunity again if business leaders recognize that distraction lack of focus is costing them the bottom line everybody in business suffers from time and focus is the answer to doing more in less time and if we recognize as business leaders, the key to us is having number one is focus at home when you're at home. So when I'm at work, I'm at work and I'm not dragged into every little, you know, texting all the time. I've actually taken care of home because <laughs> if we think that people are putting their business against their person ahead of their personal life, we're really kidding ourselves. We're in business. We go to work so that we can have a personal life. Most of us, <laughs> right? Unless you're some elite thing, but um and focus. So if we practice mindfulness at work, we improve focus, we improve productivity, and we do it together so everybody has a little more time. Key is it's got to come from the top. It can't be, yeah, I think that all those people should do it. The top has to say, you know what? Yeah, I need to be more focused. I need to be more mindful. And if I give the people a little bit of time and some meditation instruction or other mindfulness, if it's not meditation, you know, just some some health things then I'm going to invest in these people and I'm going to get it back. You know, I'm going to get it back because they're going to be more focused in remote work that we, we touched on earlier. I think it's the key to that because uh, we lose command control at remote work. We have to have some connection. We have to have some trust and not everybody's going to work well in that. But those that do, I think mindfulness is a very sticky culture. When you find a mindful company, you don't want to leave it. When you find mindful employees, if you're mindful, you don't want to lose them. And you're not going to leave them for a couple grand different in salary or, you know, jumping, which is happening all over the place now. If you find a place you can plug in and say, you know what, this company aligns with my values. They're making a difference in the community and they're listening to me. And I've made a really deep connection with John. (laughs) You know, he's not only did I work with him, he's a friend. (laughs) That's possible at work. There's no reason, you know, a lot, I know a lot of people say, I can't become friends with them. I have to fire them. I can fire a friend. I'll do it compassionately. Well, I'm a business guy, man. I'll do what I have to do. I, I mean, I'll do it compassionately and I, I won't leave them destitute. And I, you know, but I'll do what I have to do. I've done it. I still be friends. My best friends in the world I work with. I mean, they're, they're awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, Eric, this has just been a, a great conversation We've only scratched the surface. There's a whole lot more we could dig into, but thankfully you have a book that people can refer to and learn more. Before we wrap things up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, where they can find your book, et cetera, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Great. Um, Yeah. Well, first of all, it's available for pre-sale on Amazon and anything you want to know about uh, the books also available on our website, livinginthegap.org, all of our workshops, Free resources on there. There's a 21-day introduction to mindfulness, learning a mindful movement ending, just starting 10 minutes a day, delivered to your uh, inbox for free. There's a book list, those kind of things there. Start small and be consistent. You know, do something. Have the intention of being mindful. 
and keep it to yourself. Don't share until you've achieved, you know, just keep it to yourself a couple minutes a day. Doesn't even have to be meditation, but have the intention to be mindful. Even if it's what you're walking your dog, you know, taking a mindful walk, leave your phone behind though, just for a few times, just intentionally leave your phone behind and uh, just to get, get started with something small. I would say be consistent as yeah. you can. Yeah. I love it, Eric. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Eric and his team can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone will stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.